You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. That was quite a State of the Union last night. First of all, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, I thought, one of the stars of the night. But things got tense with President Biden. Some of the Republicans in the chamber went after him. He kind of initiated it, though, with some of his talk. Let's pick up some of the action with uh, President Biden last night. Sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. <laughs> Let me give you anybody who doubts it, contact my office. I'll give you a copy. I'll give you a copy of the proposal. That means Congress doesn't vote. Well, I'm glad to see you. No, I tell you, I, I enjoy conversion. You know, it means if. If Congress doesn't keep the programs the way they are, they'd go away. Other Republicans say, I'm not saying it's a majority of you. I don't even think it's even a significant. But it's being proposed by individuals. I'm not politely not naming them, but it's being proposed by some of you. Look, folks, the idea is that we're not going to be, we're, we're not going to be moved into being threatened to default on the debt if we don't respond. Folks. That's really important what you just heard. And and that is something that, look how they operate. You had, during the course of Fung versus Magaziner, they presented as Republicans want to get rid of. Republicans, Social Security and Medicare. It was one person that put it in a proposal and it didn't go anywhere. What about the fact the amount of Democrats that say defund the police and and uh, abolish the police and the the new Green Deal? It, it's it's not everyone. I want to go back to this again though, because I think in some ways, and that's Marjorie Taylor Greene and others really going after him. All of you at home should know what those <laughs> plans are. Instead of making the wealthy pay their fair share, some Republicans, some Republicans want Medicare and Social Security to sunset. I'm not saying it's a majority. conversion you know it means if, if congress doesn't keep the programs where they are they go away other republic well again uh <clears throat> pretty pet pathetic display compared with governor i mean the republican response was one of the better ones in recent memory beyond our border from afghanistan to ukraine from north korea to iran president biden's weakness puts our nation and the world at risk and the president's refusal to stand up to China, our most formidable adversary, is dangerous and unacceptable. President Biden is unwilling to defend our border, defend our skies, and defend our people. He is simply unfit to serve as commander-in-chief. She, um, I wasn't sure what to think when she was chosen, but boy, she did a fantastic job. And this was... Um, one of the, the best lines, I think, one of the best lines of the night. And while you reap the consequences of their failures, the Biden administration seems more interested in woke fantasies than the hard reality Americans face every day. 
Most Americans simply want to live their lives in freedom and peace. But we are under attack in a left-wing culture war we didn't start and never wanted to fight. Every day we are told we must partake in their rituals, salute their flags, and worship their false idols. All while big government colludes with big tech to strip away the most American thing there is. Your freedom of speech. That's not normal. It's crazy. And it's wrong. Make no mistake. Republicans will not surrender this fight. We will lead with courage and do what's right, not what's politically correct or convenient. That's Sarah Huckabee Sanders who delivered the Republican response last night. It was a huge, huge night for her. Um, and she, she had some other, um, other very, very good lines last night. We just play a little bit more in the um, Republican response to the Biden State of the Union. Put on this earth for such a time as this to charge boldly ahead. I'll be the first to admit President Biden and I don't have a lot in common. I'm for freedom. He's for government control. At 40, I'm the youngest governor in the country. And at 80, He's the oldest president in American history. I'm the first woman to lead my state. And he's the first man to surrender his presidency to a woke mob that can't even tell you what a woman is. In the radical left's America, Washington taxes you and lights your hard-earned money on fire. But you get crushed with high gas prices, empty grocery shelves, and our children are taught to hate one another on account of their race, but not to love one another or our great country. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. Wow. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Upon taking office just a few weeks ago, I signed executive orders to ban CRT, racism, and indoctrination in our schools, eliminate the use of derogatory term Latinx in our government, repealed COVID orders, and said never again to authoritarian mandates and shutdowns. Americans want common sense from their leaders. But in Washington, the Biden administration is doubling down on crazy. You know, she um, met the moment. It was a huge, huge night. Very happy for her. I've had interactions with her her father. But that was um, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And it's so good to hear someone frame it that way. Now, of course, President, excuse me, Governor McKee's praising the speech. President Biden it was as if everyone were holding their breath to see if he could collectively just get through and read the teleprompter. People are going to debate if it was um, in poor form for some of the Republicans to be yelling out in that way. Was it rude? Was it inappropriate? But he, he, he basically, the president opened the door with this whole nonsense that we had to hear the entire time in the Fung Magazine race, and that is that Republicans want to end Social Security and, and Medicare. And it's, it's, it's one, it was one Republican that came up with a proposal to revamp it. 
And that's what it gets turned into. All right, it's Wednesday. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 885 4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508 252 3359. Propane Heating and Cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment. It's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401 885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. You are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, tepetro.com. Joining us right now with the Boston Globe is our friend Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, let's start off. What a roadmap. There it was last night, State of the Union. And uh, former Governor Gina Raimondo, Commerce Secretary, her f- fingerprints were all over that State of the Union address. Yeah, I mean, it was fascinating. I don't think that uh, that folks will remember this State of the Union address, you know, as a policy-driven speech, obviously the thing that, you know, everybody's kind of takeaways are, you know, kind of Biden's sort of, uh, uh, you know, one-off kind of going going at the Republicans in the room and in reactions. But if you go, actually, you know, as I was watching that speech, um, the, right after he got through with the, you know, thank yous and the congratulations, he goes right into policy. And what does he get? The CHIPS Act, right? The Gina Raimondo CHIPS Act that, you know, brings $50 billion uh uh, in, in, you know, in chips manufacturing to the United States. And she got credit both, both sides of the aisle for really getting that thing through. I, there was a moment where I thought he was actually just going to call her out because right. she has gotten so much credit for it. He, he stopped short of doing that. Um, but then further down the speech, he goes right back into talking about broadband. In- that isn't the most sexy topic in the world, except that in lots of parts of the country, you know, they're, they're gonna, these states are going to get you know, hundreds and hundreds of millions, even billions of dollars to expand, uh, you know, internet access. That's all a Gina Raimondo-led program. Literally, the people that were working for Gina Raimondo in Rhode Island are running that program. Um, and so I think those are two big, big wins for her. The, the real, I mean, those are the two kind of bipartisan, truly bipartisan things uh, that are that, that have been on the Biden agenda. So, you know, I thought it was a pretty good night for Gina Romano, other than the fact that she didn't actually get named, uh, you know, called out by name, though I don't believe he called out any cabinet secretaries, even when he got into infrastructure. He didn't, you know, single out uh, Pete Buttigieg or anything like that. So no surprise. Obviously, the night is about Joe Biden, not about his cabinet. Uh, still, though, I think a pretty I think a good night for Gina Raimondo. She probably left feeling pretty good about herself. Folks, there's a full coverage of the speech, and then also uh, Sarah Sarah Sanders Huckabee, Huckabee Sanders, whatever, is getting a lot of praise and recognition for her 
her State of the Union, the Republican response, big night for Kevin McCarthy. Um, and, and then also there was, you know, the back and forth of uh, some members of the Republican Party that in Congress, Marjorie Taylor Greene, they're yelling at the president. He's then uh, inviting them and kind of throwing down the gauntlet. Dan McGowan, you also reported in, um, in, in Roadmap that Hendrick and Great, now NFL star Quiddy Pay, that as being the invited guest of Seth Magaziner, that turned out to be a very memorable night for him. Turned out to be a very memorable night for him. And actually, to, to uh, Congressman Magazine, and look, he's a freshman congressman, you know, in the minority party. Congressman Magaziner isn't going to get a lot of attention uh, in this in the in the next two years uh, nationally. But I, I was reading some of the stories. I, I, you know, I set a Google alert to see how much attention Quiddy Pay got. And there was a New York Times mention. I think there was a Washington Post mention. Wow. Um, and, and, you know, interesting. I, I had a brief chance to talk briefly to Quiddy yesterday uh, for about five minutes. You know, it's clear to me, Quiddy Pay is not a, uh, you know, a partisan guy, right? He 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 got invited by the congressman. He said, you know, it was really exciting to be able to do this, but he he was not uh, willing, and I, and I don't blame him to, you know, go down the rabbit hole of Democrats versus Republicans. He did acknowledge to me, he grew up in a kind of Democratic family here in Rhode Island. Um, obviously, his you know his mother fled, you know, kind of war torn. Uh, Liberia to, to get here, but it was pretty cool to talk to him. And he, he you know, he said one of the things he, he said, you know, he's been spending a lot of time, obviously he's been spending a lot of time in Indiana, Indianapolis, but he also spends a lot of time in California. He said in this process of Congressman Magazine are kind of asking him uh, to be his guest to the state of the union. He said it really made him want to spend more time back in Rhode Island and do more for his community. So it was nice. I thought it was pretty touching. I thought it was a smart move for Congress Magaziner. Cause like I said, you know, he's not going to get a lot of attention. This is um, in some ways, I think he upstaged the rest of the congressional delegation and kind of was the most, uh, the most interesting guest of the four uh, Rhode Island members. Big time. And it sounds also like Dan McGowan that he ended up going to the embassy there in DC that, that it, it, it sounds like instead of just a political uh, obligation that talk, you know, we're very, very memorable then. I thought it was a huge, big time move by the magazine to pick him. Yeah, it, it, I completely agree. And again, he, I think the the question leading into this, you know, when we started to hear, I, I was told last week that this was going to happen. And, uh, you know, I, I was, to be honest, I was a little not put off by it, but I, I thought, oh, is, is it just going to be this? you know, this athlete who kind of knows Rhode Island and, you know, has a good story, but is he not gonna, you know, is he not going to be very interesting to interview? And then it becomes right. this, you know, this political thing. And, you know, God forbid this kid's that, you know, a, a relatively new defensive end in a conservative state, you know, I don't want to embarrass the kid in any way, uh, you know, uh, for his, for the fans that are cheering him out out there in Indianapolis, things like that. But it was touching. You, you hit it on the head. You know, he got to visit the Liberian embassy. He told me he had never really been to D.C., so he got to tour the Capitol. There are a couple of uh, former NFL players who are in Congress. I think he got to meet a bunch of them. Uh, and so it sounds like it was a good way. It, you know, it was, a, it was a good experience for him. And, I, I, you know, I don't want to overcredit the, the magazine or people, but, you know, kudos to him for not making it too political, not putting in a, you know, in, in a particularly bad spot. Obviously, there's, you know, Seth Magazine is always going to have kind of a Democratic talking point, but he didn't go, you know, far down the rabbit hole where it, you know, where it would have alienated a bunch of uh, a bunch of people or a bunch of potential Quiddy uh, Pay fans. 
Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe and uh, Dan, all eyes now tonight in Providence. Uh, you reported in Roadmap about the final three and I, I'm, uh, I'm anxious to hear about I, I mean, I read in Roadmap how you reported that it, it certainly sounds like Major Kevin Lanny. Um, he wildly impressed the, 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 the people with Mayor Smiley, his administration, and you know, just look at the way this whole thing is broken down. Verdi leaves. Uh, LaPayton is badge number three. Oscar Perez, he ends up getting the number two slot. He's been acting chief, but Clemens, who, you know, the, the former chief, he, he's a big fan of Major Lanny. He's the one that made him a major. And so if you just kind of look at the landscape, barring something, it, it certainly seems as though um, – that he has kind of sealed the deal with, with the new mayor. See, I think this is such a fascinating situation because you know, John, you're well-sourced with Providence Police, um, yeah. as, am, as am I. And so everyone's reading tea leaves. Everyone's got a different view on kind of who is the favorite. I do think they all have kind of their own case to make. And if you just look at the three, so start with Major LePayton. First of all, and for the longest, he's an attorney. As you and I have been talking about in recent weeks, he has the most repetitions in front of a camera. He probably, to his credit, kind of looks the part the most, uh, though he likes to wear a suit more than the, <laughs> than the uniform, I think. Uh, but, I, you know, if, you're, if you want to go with the safe kind of, you know, the guy who you know what you're getting, I think you go with a, with, with a Major LePayton. And maybe the, the idea is, you know, I think he's probably a short-term decision. You say, hey, you know, do this for two years. You hand it off to either Lanny or Perez, you know, that kind of thing. You look at Perez, like you said, he jumped spots. So, he, you know, he gets the, you have the mayor, the former mayor, uh, Jorge Lorza, kind of put his thumb on the scale to some degree to, by making Perez the number two. Um, you know, Perez has always been viewed as a potential chief down the line. You know, to you know, to do this, so he certainly has his case to make. I think you're right. I think Kevin Lanny's been a guy who, um, you know, who was not necessarily though his father, you know, was, was a police officer uh, in Providence. You know, was not somebody who, you know, has always been, um, you know, the first thought of oh maybe the next police chief. But the last you know year or so, remember he he's kind of the guy that took on. Um, the Mike Steven, Mike Stevens uh, as his sort of, you know, men, uh, mentee, I guess, when he became part of the police department, that's the rec director of that, that whole thing from last year. Kevin Lanny has been the guy who said, hey, you know, like, follow me around. I'll show you the ropes, uh, probably in exchange, you know, not quick pro quo, but just in exchange for you, you know, teach me the community. I know narcotics. I know kind of the internal workings of the department, but, you know, I need more of a face in the community, Mike Stevens, community guy, and you get to see that. I think you hit it on the head. I think Chief Clemens really likes Lanny. Um, I think if, you know, if he has a ton of say, it could be Lanny, um, but it's good. I, I still maintain going into tonight, I think there's a chance that all of them could screw it up. <laughs> so I think anyone could lose it. Um, and, and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch kind of how they interact with the public, how they handle uh, tough questions. I'll be interested to see what the uh, what the room looks like, uh, you know, in, 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 in how you know, how uh, vocal people will be. Is it going to be a kind of 
you know, your your sort of east side crowd that's just going to sit there and listen? Or is it going to be a little bit more vocal, kind of, you know, activist driven? Uh, and that will put these guys all in, you know, kind of a level of um, uncomfort that will be really kind of fascinating to watch. I'll certainly be there. I'm sure I'll see you there, too. Absolutely. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations, 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. AtMed Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At AtMed Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals families they're on duty at all times they're open seven days a week walk-in routine urgent care minor surgical now if you're in a car accident go to atment urgent care avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms they also do adult vaccinations laboratory testing atment urgent care when it's an emergency 1524 atwood avenue in johnston that's right in the atwood medical center and also 5750 post road east greenwich online at admedurgentcare.net we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe and dan mcgowan also in uh today's globe first of all there's an awful lot of coverage obviously about the court proceeding with the mother from lux um the mother from duxbury and and that was uh that was a -a one-of-a-kind proceeding yesterday but what, what do you make of this Rhode Island legislators raising concerns about McKee's gas tax proposal? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I, when I, I think there are lots of legislators right now who are, uh, you know, who are kind of sort of seeking attention. Um, I think it's hard to argue against, you know, the, the proposal to... Uh, you know, to, to essentially freeze the gas tax. It's not eliminating it by any means, just freezing the increase. Um, you know, Sen- Senator uh, Sam Zurier from the East Side of Providence, he's kind of, this is something he's done ever since he was a councilman. Every week he writes a, you know, a newsletter basically to his constituents where he kind of lays out in sometimes very comprehensive form, uh, you know, how he feels about a certain topic. Oftentimes, it, you know, it'll be tied to a vote or, you know, a major policy. Um, it's very, if you're a fan of kind of policy and if you're a fan of, you know, really thinking things through, it's, it can be really interesting. He kind of makes the case that this isn't, you know, a groundbreaking thing. And actually in the, in the end, you know, if you're not getting that extra money, it actually hurts infrastructure, you know, funding going forward. It's compelling, but it's just, I think you just think about, so, you know, you got one or two or a handful of, you know, uh, let's say really cerebral pre- people up there in the general assembly. Well, the rest of the folks up there are saying, freeze the tax. I can tell my constituents I froze the tax. Screw it. Let's do it. Um, and, and, and I think that's sort of the mentality that will probably take the day. Certainly Governor McKee continues to advocate for this. And so I'm not sure there will be kind of momentum that actually grows behind, um, you know, uh, not freezing the gas tax or, or not, uh, you know, not lowering the sales tax. I think, you know, once it's proposed and, you know, House and Senate leadership 
kind of say they're already on board with it, I, I'd be surprised to see uh, particularly significant changes going forward. Yeah, McGowan, uh, we started off talking about Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo, who last night, by the way, it, as she walked in with the cabinet, you know, she seemed very much in her element, seemed very comfortable. And also, I did see when they were all coming in, Congressman Cicilline was was one off the aisle, not yep. right on the aisle, but when the president comes in, he was in a good spot. I'm curious what Dan McGowan thought of your former colleague, Ted Nisi, who's down in D.C. I, I thought that that is one of the most impressive packages of an interview from start to finish that I've seen. But I'm, I'd like to hear your thoughts on his interview with Commerce Secretary Raimondo. Well, I was jealous because that's a, it was a good idea to get down there and actually get in with her and, and have her kind of walk, you know, through sort of what he does and yep. or what she does, excuse me, and um, and really kind of tout her, uh, you know, her, sort of her vision, obviously by extension the Biden vision. And Ted is smart, and he, you know, knew that the hook here was will you run for president? And she didn't, you know, rule it out by any means. Uh, what's clear down there is uh, it, we're not making this up when we say that she's kind of a star in the Biden administration. I mean, she's gotten praise from both sides of the aisle. She obviously gets criticized too from both sides of the aisle. She had the interaction early on with Ted Cruz. Elizabeth Warren doesn't like her on the, right. uh, on the lefty side. So, you know, it's not like she has universal support. But, you know, you see her tackling issues that, you know, that that President Biden can say, look, we have bipartisan uh, agreement on. She's a part of all of those things. She kind of tends to be everywhere. You know, she, she said to Ted, I, I thought it was it was compelling. I believe her uh, that, that you know, when when President Biden said, look, I want you to bring back American manufacturing, you know, that fits with the narrative. Gina Raimondo always had, right? It's the my father worked at the watch factory. That's right. Uh, story. So it really fits. And, um, you know, it, it is not, to her credit, uh, the, the issues she's worked on, like we said, you know, uh, doing the chips, doing the, you know, uh, broadband, it is not polarizing uh, in a particular, you know, in, in, any, in any significant way. So, if you are kind of laying the groundwork to potentially run for, you know, president someday, I think she's picked a bunch of issues that are both impactful and non-controversial. Uh, I think she's, she's played it very smart. And, uh, you know, I think she sits in the room last night and she sees a Joe Biden who, you know, on one night was, was relatively speaking on his game, right? He looked up for the fight last night. The question about Joe Biden is always, he might have looked up for the fight last night. How's he feeling this morning, right? How could he could he right. go out and do the same speech tonight? I think a lot yes. of you know I think a lot of Americans obviously have those doubts. Certainly, a lot of Democrats have those doubts. And I think Gina Raimondo kind of wants to sit there and she would never challenge him in a primary. But I do think she views herself as somebody who you know could could squeak in there, uh, you know, into a race if if potentially he you know were to step aside or she might be looking at. She's still a young woman. She's got plenty of time uh, in politics if she wants to run down the line. And, and Dan McGowan seems totally confident. And, and maybe, you know, he's one thing, he's the president, but she in no way seems intimidated by me or Mayor Pete or Kamala Harris or Amy Klobuchar or anybody else out. What did you make of two things that she told uh, Ted Nisi WPRI? One, that she took off the table that if Senator Reid is is you know decides to hang it up that she's going to go for a senate seat and number two 
the biggest regret she had. She went out of her way to mention the Providence schools. Well, I, I thought that let's take it back to the front because I thought it was fascinating that, that, you know, the thing she kind of that still keeps her up at night is, you know, to some degree, the Providence schools. She had said that to me. I saw her a couple of maybe about maybe a year ago now. It was actually after the Brown when she came to speak at Brown. I wrote a pretty tough column about her saying, you know, the, the two biggest mistakes or, you know, the, the things she'll yep. be remembered for were the Providence schools and then the healthcare, you know, debacle between the, the, the health merger. And we talked afterwards and she and she didn't disagree with me. She didn't like what I wrote, but she, mm. she said, you know, basically, yeah, like, you know, I don't know what you want from me. I had a pandemic when I came to the, the takeover. Um, and sure, I left, you know, but I felt we left the pieces in place. But that has weighed on her. Um, and, you know, I, I wish we were I wish we were talking tomorrow because I have a column coming about the Providence schools that I think you'll, you'll get a kick out of. I'm sure we'll talk about it next week because uh, look, there, there's nothing happening of, no. any, of any substance right now. You even heard her kind of, she didn't, she didn't go that far in, in the interview with Ted Nisi, but it's not just that she feels like she didn't get it done. I think she's actually stressed out that nobody is continuing anything um, since she's been gone. Uh, so, so I thought that was fascinating. And yeah, I, you know, the, the not running for Senate, I think those of us who have paid close attention to her, have, have, we've always kind of said, look, she's somebody who likes to be in charge and being in the Senate, being in the House is about arguing and, you know, and, and fighting. It's not something for her. I would still say, you know, the, the, I'm surprised that she ruled it out so uh, definitively. Because, Agreed. Because, you, you know, the chance to be one of the hundred there, yeah, it's hard to pass up. And if Gina Raimondo, right. if, you know, if, if Jack Reed were to say, I'm not going to run for re-election, or I'm, you know, maybe I'm going to do one more term, Gina Raimondo would walk into that seat, I think, yes. if, if she wanted it. So I was surprised by how definitive she was. Um, but before I let you go, and we talk about roadmap, just the, with the Providence schools, Dan McGowan, is she... Has the ear. I mean, if, if she calls, Brett Smiley takes the call. They're tight. She has his ear. What does it say that, I mean, Governor McKee, you don't hear him talking about the Providence schools. Uh, you don't hear anyone talk about it right now. And, and Mayor Smiley is holding his cards. We know he had the big high profile. Local. He's now the former mayor, Mayor Lorza. He was very clear what he thinks should happen. Uh, the union has not stopped with their antics about, you know, the whole business about closing the schools. But but how much if, if she really regrets it that much, uh, what, what would you make of her kind of being a sounding board for the plan that Brett Smiley wants to execute? So uh, your I think instincts are similar to mine in that yeah. I'd like to believe that, you know, maybe she's providing advice or suggestions. I also though would say. She's a pretty smart politician, and if she's right. giving true, like the, the real, honest advice that that just politically speaking, I'm not saying this is good policy, but politically, the right move for Brett Smiley is to not have a say in the Providence schools right now. Let it continue to have this, you know, sort of debacle, and then when it's time for you to come in and save the day, when you actually do want it on your plate. Uh, you know, that's when you become more vocal. And so there's a part of me that wonders, you know, this is, there are so many problems that Providence has, uh, and particularly, you know, the, the search for a new chief isn't necessarily a problem, but it is definitely, you know, 
occupying Smiley's time. There is a part of me that wonders if, you know, whether it was Gina Raimondo or Pete, you know, in Washington, hey, you know, you should focus on a bunch of other things before this does become your problem, because inevitably it will be your problem down the line. Folks, again, um, you hear me mention Roadmap weekdays, Monday through Friday. I start the day with it. It arrives in your inbox. It also, I neglected last week to say, Damn, you've written more about those giving meters. And the breakout <laughs> of that is still just one of those. Um, Mayor, Mayor Alorza, that he actually put that in motion, just showed me that he didn't fully understand why people do give money to people that come up to them at a red light or walking by. It's that it's it's an immediate, I'm a good person. Exactly. Here's some change that I have. It, it doesn't translate. Uh, a giving meter is like a parking meter, and you don't get any good feedback or feel when you give money in a parking meter. No, but, if, it, um, if it gave you a hug afterwards, you'd feel good. <laughs> That'd be one thing. <laughs> Folks, again, it's a roadmap. It arrives. It's free, and it has all the links, including the fact LeBron broke the record, and Kevin Cullen has a very good piece about CCRI grad that tragically uh, lost his life uh, helping out humanitarian uh, effort in Ukraine. Dan McGowan, if you'd be so kind to extend roadmap to everyone that's listening. Yeah, John, you know, if you let me go on my, my you know, sound box here a second, the, the fun thing is, you know, the, one of the, the pushback, pieces of pushback that, you know, readers, I, I, I totally understand from people is they'll say, you know, I like reading about Rhode Island, but I don't want the rest of the globe. But the thing is that you just described exactly why the the whole product makes a lot of sense. You know, it, it's not just the handful of reporters in Rhode Island covering Rhode Island stories. Kevin Cullen, our biggest columnist at the Globe, yeah. you know, covering this guy at CCRI, you know, it's fully integrated. So when there's, you know, Joe Missoula, you know, coverage, it's not Dan McGowan about Joe Missoula and the Celtics coach. It's the experts that cover, you know, the Boston Celtics. So you know, I always like to make that point and, and we sum it up every day, every single uh, weekday morning, uh, all you have to do is send me a blank email, rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. I'll sign you up. You'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning. Dave McGowan, how about two former Hendrickson play, uh, play, you know, students are going to be coaching the All-Star Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, between that and Quiddy Pay, the school is just rolling. Folks, he's Dave McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dave, great job as always, and we'll talk to you again. See you tonight, John. Thanks. remain healthy stop in and see marie at it's my health 1099 menden road in cumberland you can also look for on facebook but call her 401-305-3585 you know the building it's that historic white church diagonally across from davenport restaurant it's my health what do you find inside well first of all great service great selection vitamins herbal remedies from trusted companies local products like ICE, honey, maple syrup, beef fresh gum, over 250 bulk herbs, teas, and spices, plus hemp and CBD products, natural skincare. It's my health. Pop in and see Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. There's things for your pets. There's things for your children. There's things for your health. Stay healthy at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Again, call Marie, 401 305 3585 diagonally across from Davenport Restaurant.
moment. But I want to touch on this. Two uh, good stories in the New York Times. Um, first one is Kamala Harris trying to define her vice presidency. Even her allies are tired of waiting. Struggling to carve out a lane for herself might be the most consequential periods in the vice presidency. Let's face it, she is nowhere. And this is a uh, well-done story. Three top writers, Peter, Peter Baker, one of them. But they talk about that even some of the individuals that they, many times that they're going to do a, a very in-depth story, some of the people that are with, you know, the individual, they, they say, you may want to talk to this person or that person and so forth. And, and the fact of the matter is, even some Democrats who her own advisors referred reporters to for supportive quotes, confident, confided privately, they'd lost hope in her painful reality for the vice president in private conversations dozen of democrats in the white house capitol hill around the nation including some who helped put her on the party's 2020 ticket said she has not risen to the challenge of proving herself as a future leader of the party much less the country there's even talk that she could be hurting the ticket for 2024 with biden appearing all but certain to run again the concern of Harris has shifted whether she'll be a political liability for the ticket. Given that Mr. Biden at 80, already the oldest president in American history, Republicans would most likely make Harris, who's 58, a prime attack line, arguing that a vote for Biden may be, in fact be a vote to put her in the Oval Office. So that's interesting that they would start to go after them that way. So far, she has not distinguished herself. I can't think of one thing she's done except stay out of the way and stand beside him at certain ceremonies. That is a very interesting. Uh, John Morgan, who's a former Florida finance chair for, uh, for former President Bill Clinton. 39% of Americans approve of Harris's job. Puts her below his approval rating, meaning Biden, over at around 42% for the past month. Harris allies say she was trapped in a damned if she doesn't, damned if she doesn't does or doesn't conundrum she's expected not to do anything to overshadow biden that's what being a first is all about she's got to work every day said representative jim clyburn to make sure she's not the last um then they talk about chief of staff harris has a fresh opportunity to find her footing with the arrival of the new congress because the senate was split Harris has cast 26 tie-breaking votes in a role as president of the Senate. While Democrats now hold a 51 to 49 edge, at least in some cases, Senator Kristen Sinema of Arizona votes with them. Harris has a little more than breathing space. She's told her staff she wants to make at least three out-of-town trips a week in the coming year. No one feels the frustration of being underestimated more than Harris, but she makes a point of not exhibiting it publicly. In an interview with the New York Times, while she was in Japan, she tried to explain her own political identity. You're going to know what you stand for, blah, blah, blah. What translates tangible terms, less clear. After her disastrous interview with Lester Holt in June of 2021, which she struggled to articulate the administration's strategy for securing the border, White House officials, including some of her own office, noted Shoba went into a bunker for about a year, avoiding many interviews out of what Aid says was a fear of making mistakes and disappointing Biden. 
Listen, as I'll quote Donna Perry has said, she is, she's not a serious person. She wasn't a serious candidate. She was a creation. Members of Congress, Democrat strategists, and other major party figures say she has not made herself into a formidable leader. Two Democrats recall private conversations in which former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton lamented Ms. Harris could not win because she does not have the political instincts to clear a primary field. Nick Merrill, spokesman for Clinton, said she was strongly supportive of Harris, often spoke with her, shared experience being a woman in power. Uh, advisors and allies trace her challenges to her transition from the loyally prosecutor she used to be, Attorney General of California. Aides have encouraged her to liberate herself. Listen, she has not done anything with the job. And I'm going to go back to, I don't think it's, it's Biden. I think it is her. You know, Hillary talking about political instincts. I think that's, that sounds about, that sounds about right. That sounds actually like a, an accurate depiction of her. Um, but here it is. You think about it two years in and she's nowhere. Now, another story they mentioned. And this one's even a little more concerning. Balloon incident reveals more than spying. There's nothing new about superpowers spying on one another, even from balloons. But for pure gall, there was something different this time. News analysis, balloon incident, more than spying as competition with China intensifies. Maybe it may be months before American intelligence agencies can compare the audacious flight of a Chinese surveillance balloon across the country to other intrusions, intrusions on America's national security system to determine how it ranks. After all, there's plenty of competition. There was the theft of the designs of the F-35 about 15 years ago, enabling the Chinese Air Force to develop its own look-alike stealth fighter with Chinese characteristics. There was the case of China's premier hacking team lifting the security clearance files for 22 million Americans from the barely secured computers of the Office of Personal Management in 2015. That combined with stolen medical files from Anthem and travel records from married hotels has helped the Chinese create a data blueprint of America's national security infrastructure. But for pure goal, something different about the balloon it became the subject of public fascination as it floated over nuclear silos in Montana. Then was spotted near Kansas City and then met its end when a Sinewider missile took it down over shallow waters of the coast of South Carolina. Not surprisingly, now it's coveted by military intelligence officials desperately want to reverse engineering whatever remains Coast Guard and Navy can recover. Yet beyond the made-for-cable news spectacle... The entire incident also speaks volumes about how little Washington and Beijing communicate. Almost 22 years after the collision of an American spy plane and a Chinese fighter about 70 miles off the coast, Ireland led both sides to vow they would improve their crisis management. We don't know what the intelligent yield was for the Chinese, but there's no doubt it was a gross violation of sovereignty. Something China objects to. The United States flies over and sails to the islands China's built from sandbars in the South China Seas. 
And this made visceral the China challenge, to look up when you're out walking your dog and you see a Chinese spy balloon in the sky. <laughs> As it turns out, it was hardly the first time ours for the giant balloon met its deflated end. This is so well written. The Pentagon said there was another one in flight over South America. And it noted a long time ago, excuse me, it noted a long history of Chinese balloons flying over the United States. Which the Pentagon somehow never wanted to talk about before until this incident forced it to. Instances of this kind of balloon activity has been observed previously over the past several years. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Patrick Ryder said, one senior official said many of those were in the Pacific, some near Hawaii. Um, General Ryder's admission raised the question of whether the United States failed to set a red line years ago about the balloon surveillance, essentially encouraging China to grow bolder and bolder. The fact they've come into airspace before is not comforting. We should have a, should have had a strategy earlier and should have signaled our limits much earlier. Of course, there's nothing new about superpowers spying on one another, even from balloons. President Eisenhower authorized surveillance of the Soviet Union by lofting cameras on balloons in the mid-50s, flying them, quote, over Soviet bloc countries under the guise of weather research. Um, it yielded more protests from the Kremlin than it did useful intelligence. With the advent of the first spy satellite, the balloons appeared to become obsolete. Now they're making a comeback. Because while spy satellites can see almost everything, balloons equipped with high-tech sensors hover over a site far longer and pick, can pick up radio, cellular, and other transmissions that cannot be detected from space. That's why the Montana sighting of the balloon was critical. In recent years, the NSA and U.S. Strategic Command, which oversee the American nuclear arsenal, have been remaking communication with nuclear weapon sites. That would be one, but only one of the natural targets for China's Ministry of State Security, oversees many of the national security hacks. The NSA also targets China, from the revelations of Ed Snowden, former contractor, revealed many of the NSA's operations a decade ago. The world learned the United States broke into the networks of the China Chinese telecommunications firm and also tracked the movement of Chinese leaders and other soldiers responsible for moving Chinese nuclear weapons. That is only a small sliver of American surveillance in China. Such activities add to China's argument. Everyone does it. Because they are largely hidden, save for the occasional revelation of a big hack, they've really become wrapped up in national politics, and that is challenging. Balloon incident came in a moment when Democrats and Republicans competing to just demonstrate who can be stronger on China. And that showed the new chairman of the House echoed the many Republicans who argued the balloon needed to come down sooner. He called the shootdown sort of like tackling the quarterback after the game is over. Satellite had completed its mission, should never have been allowed to enter the United States, should never have been allowed to complete its mission. Not yet clear what that mission was or whether the risk of letting it pro proceed truly outweighed the risk of taking the balloon down over land. It's only a small part of the aggressive spy-versus-spy moves of superpower 
competitors. The balloon drifted over the U.S. just days before, as we've talked about, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken, supposed to make the first visit, top American diplomat to Beijing. Canceled the trip, public slap. Many officials believe the president cannot be happy about. At a moment, Chinese leaders appear to be trying to stabilize their fast-descending relationship with Washington. Hardly a life-threatening crisis, but the fact that Chinese officials realizing the balloon had been spotted did not call to work out a way to deal with it was revealing. That type of problem was supposed to be resolved after the 2001 collision of an EP-3 spy plane and a Chinese fighter that brought down both planes. President George W. Bush could not get Chinese leaders on the phone for days after the incident. Colin Powell also failed. Makes you wonder what might happen in a deeper crisis, he said later. Afterwards, hotlines were set up. Promises made about better communication. Clearly, those failed. When the balloon was shot down, China issued a statement saying for the United States to insist on using armed forces. Clearly an excessive reaction. Few experts doubt the situation's been reversed. China would have used force. It has threatened to do so when it was believed outsiders were entering disputed waters, much less territory. It makes you wonder who was talking to whom in China. Clearly the greatest unforced error the Chinese have made in some time. But the balloon did come down. It is concerning far-reacher efforts, far far more reaching efforts of what could happen. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation, Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces. Limitless Outdoors. Call them today. Free quote. Get the most of your outside. You're going to love what they can do for you. 401-580-1852. 401 501- 580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. Dream, build, enjoy. Into the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, depietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, depietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. 
We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, topetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there folks it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com and on the left hand side you can always listen live again all our links everything begins and ends right there at the website dipetro.com falcon pest services 12 months of the year you could have a pest problem serving rhode island and massachusetts called falcon pest services today 401 739 1322 free consultation 401 739 1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm remember you can always listen online at our website dipetro.com folks visit the website on the website you'll see all our links to social media whether it's facebook or youtube instagram even tiktok plus you if you want to reach me that's the best way to do it we have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com it's getting cold already this winter keep your family your employees warm with matthews oil company call them today 401-942-7500 matthews oil company 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401 942 7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil they take pride providing reliable affordable service for you and your family celebrating 90 years of service call them now it's going to be a cold winter get that tank filled call matthews oil company today 401-942 7500 in an emergency they offer 24-hour emergency service matthews oil company 401-942-7500 24-hour emergency service right jim yes and for right now it is expensive for people you'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil yes we have budget plans we have uh we also take state uh, we take state heating assistance. We belong to every city and town's uh, 
community action groups. We've participated with that for 20 years. We're actually 30 or 40 now since the 80s. It's not solar, but you can help people save money on their electricity. Yes. Uh, If they're a commercial customer and they're with the grid, uh, local utility, we can also uh, provide them with electricity and also commercial natural gas for uh, right to their business.